0: The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the Green Peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the Green, Green Peak. Peak with your host, Richard Zwicky.
1: All right, I'm Richard Zwicky with Planta Global, and today on the Green Peak, we have Andrew Samen from... Um, Orion GMP Solutions, and uh, Andrew Salmon's been involved in the GMP space actually for quite a number of years. Interesting background, um, Andrew, how you came to it from the military as uh, part of the path. And I think in discussion today, we're going to talk a lot about the um, path to market with regards to GMP, but also touch on GACP, EU GMP, and CGMP. you know, there's a lot of acronyms being thrown around in that one sentence and a lot of misunderstanding in the marketplace about what each of them mean, the differences, but also the doors they open through compliance. And Compliance doesn't just mean having a moniker attached to the system. It actually means a lot more. Um, do you come across a lot of, uh, when you're t- talking to people, do you have a lot of discussion explaining to people the meaning of the different terms?
2: My goodness, uh, yes, thank you for asking that question. First, terminology is perhaps the most difficult one that we have in the, in the industry right now. So uh, to throw on uh, terminology that comes from uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing, dietary supplement, cosmetics, uh, etc., um, on top of what is already an undefined system or process leading to cannabis products, yes, it does become an issue and uh, is a point of confusion for many people.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know the confusion also, I think, has to do with how the regulations are applied differently in different areas of the world. There isn't a standard set like an ISO 9001 or something akin to that that is universal. And as we look at that, um, why, why do entrepreneurs think or overlook this step? And what is it that, what's the barrier to entry that GMP removes for people going down this path? And then let's get into what the difference is between the different forms of GMP.
2: Yes, uh, that's a good question as well. We were actually on an initial client call earlier today. um, And we had a fantastic group that had provided us all the information that we should ever ask for. And really, uh, they recognized uh, the need to do it right the first time. And that's where when you break it down with GMP, you must answer a lot of questions that could be easily missed or assumptions that might not be fully checked that you would only understand if you asked all the first principles of the process and how the raw materials interact with it, the equipment, the facility, the process steps that happen within the facility and with the equipment, and the raw materials, how the labor interact with the actual process, and then how you manage a whole process. So yes, there's uh, a lot that can be gained by taking the steps in the beginning of a project to be able to identify all the variables of your process and everyone has a different process, nothing is ever the same. Um, So, when you use the uh, tools of quality by design and good manufacturing practices just makes life a lot easier, although it's not really recognized as being the, the place that people would start.
1: No, no, it's not the place most people would start and I know from our experience um, there's a lot of people who just think they can put the label on because they're following some form of process and don't realize that in fact you can't have, I don't know about you know uh, what you're dealing with on many fronts, we're dealing with the EOGMP on some fronts and GACP leading into it, but people don't realize you can't just retrofit a building to meet EU GMP standards. It has to have a purpose, and in fact, where you position even a a power outlet within the room when you're building and designing the facility has to be justified as part of that process. how, how, how are people in the US and how are you seeing that diff, handled differently in the US versus elsewhere and how will that affect the international trade as it opens up more and more from your perspective?
2: Yes, it's a very good question. Um, where does one place each item, each thing that they have and know why they've placed it there? Um, and you can look at almost any engineered solution that any human has ever come up with. Um, and it comes with a specification like, for example, the uh, uh, Ford F-350 did not come about as a result of someone saying, well, we need a pickup truck and it should carry you know this much of a load and be able to tow this much. Um, they didn't just speculate on it. They worked it down to the, the most minute detail so that they could have that competitive edge. Um, so that's really where, even if you do have a retrofit facility, that's not really a problem. You can retrofit a box to have function, but the important thing is, is that you know exactly what it would need to do. Just like with that F-350, you're able to say, well, the user needs to be able to have a payload in the back of the bed. They need to be able to tow X amount of weight. Um, and the vehicle needs to last for at least 300,000 miles. Um, those are the types of things things where, you know, the, the retrofit analogy doesn't work so well as a pickup truck, but you know, you can take an old pickup truck and make it do what a brand new one would do as well. Um, so as long as we are able to communicate with what are the appropriate user specifications um, and those be something that would be recognized in the European Union as you would in the states it's not really so much of an issue so um, if you are you know in a specific jurisdiction uh, that requires EU GMP compliance um, let's say for example in South America with the intent of to distribute to both North America and the European Union really you would be spending the majority of your time in um, process development mode and demonstrating that your pilot facility or your smallest use case, your um, minimum viable product, if you will, um, that that can demonstrate some form of compliance. And from there, you literally are demonstrating uh, by the numbers that you can consistently produce a product that you would otherwise, you know, not be able to, if you didn't have the the tools and controls to measure what you're doing over time. So if someone's taking it seriously in the European Union, um, uh, they would be able to apply the same principles in the States, and the similarities are quite striking once you break it down.
1: Oh, you can absolutely apply the same principles. Everywhere the the reality though is there's a patchwork of regulatory frameworks that differ from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, and some people think they reach GMP in their jurisdiction, and it's an equivalence, and that isn't okay. always true. And in the cannabis industry, oh, it's yeah. you know the the level of. Uh, of diligence placed onto it is in many ways higher than in other industries because it's
2: such a still treated as a mystery. Yes. How how, how are you finding that as you deal with entrepreneurs? That is such a good question. And it's really difficult uh, for entrepreneurs that are starting out in these different jurisdictions because what they may see is what applies, for example, Colorado, which was like a seed crystal to the industry in a lot of ways, may not actually apply where they're at. Um, and I, I don't think that, uh, we have too many examples of regulations that, um, you know, just as we have, okay, let's take an example. We have a cannabis manufacturer, an entrepreneur that wants to start a business. We just as well have a state or national regula- uh, regulator that wants to, you know, uh, jumpstart an industry. Everybody's looking around and trying to find the right answers. And what has been published by different states and countries, you know, had good value at the time. But those regulations were all meant to evolve. And the issue in whether it's the entrepreneur or whether it's the regulator of taking someone else's system, taking something else that someone has already done, instead of working on first principles and building it themselves. They end up um, adding um, some of those structural problems into their own systems without even realizing it. And then very likely, it's being patched together you know, by that regulator or by that other entrepreneur that one would look at as a business and say, wow, that's a great model. But you yep. don't end up seeing where the weaknesses are and then they're repeated. And then worst of all, it's as though no one knows the reason why the decisions were made. It's like getting, it's like paying a tutor to do your homework for you in a way. Um, You're not going to pass the class. You might pass the assignment, but passing the class doesn't work. So, yeah. uh, From our worldview, we really push um, from the principles of Dr. Deming and Dr. Deming um, would never, and he's literally the American who taught the Japanese quality for automotive manufacturing. And yes, coming from Detroit, I have to say I, I love seeing companies that do really well in automotive. But yeah. the Japanese so arguably are doing better, and uh, it's because they made their own tools. Like when yes. we look at the Toyota Way, oh. and even Andrew, say, let's come back
1: to that after the break,
2: not to interrupt, but oh, yes. let's
1: take a moment we have uh, to go to break, and then we'll come back. And expand on that a little bit further. Yes, please. I'm Richard Zwicky of The Green Peak, and we'll be back in a moment.
0: The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living.
1: Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently
0: to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning
1: to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow
2: a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better.
0: The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Fostino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children, did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all
1: being like, ooh, I'm scared. someone's going to take my picture here.
0: What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes
1: Bud?
2: I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. All right,
1: I'm Richard Zwicky, back with The Green Peak, with Andrew Salmon, with uh, Orion GMP Solutions. And Andrew, before the break, we were talking about how, you know, even the... Japanese have applied uh, GMP or manufacturing protocols to their processes, which are far superior to some other ones. And, you know, we're, we're in the cannabis industry, we're in the medical cannabis industry, and we're focused, you know, at Plana, we're focused on producing to the highest standards globally. Um, not minimum viable product to meet a particular target customer's uh, regime because a product that is acceptable everywhere can be sold everywhere. A product that is limited yes. in terms of who it complies with or what it complies for really lacks in potential. And this is a marketplace where you know the demand is massive globally um, for medical cannabis products and one of the biggest problems is lack of supply. Now it's interesting you were talking about weakness and structure and protocols for some and you know, starting over, but GMP isn't something you can just randomly start over. It really is has to be thought of from the moment you start producing the product, and what becomes the raw materials into the final product all the way through to the delivery to the consumer. Yes. And how long do you tell people to set aside for implementation, planning, and drafting of their protocols to follow GMP
2: processes? Goodness, I, I struggle for a metaphor other than a journey of a thousand <laughs> miles starts with the first step. Um, it really depends on the organization's desires. Um, we have performed what we've called documented miracles. Uh, and helped organizations achieve gmp compliance in a short amount of time but it was only when they threw all of their internal resources on it and this is one where in the end you do not want to be relying on consultants to do your work for you you want to be working with consultants that provide you the strategic advice and then equip your team with the appropriate tools that may have been developed back in you know like our home shop if you will bring those on site and then help you adapt those to become your own tools. Um, We can be in and out in as little as four hours if we just require to provide strategic advice. And then from there, if a client is doing things um, at a measured pace, we would say one year would be the minimum to be able to produce uh, packaged cannabis flowers in um, and, and we call that a cannabis product, ultimately one that's packaged for the end consumer to use. Um, so, if someone had started with day one um, and their pilot scale, maybe it you know, is a quarter of their total footprint or expected footprint. Um, and they are able to produce a minimum of three batches. We get in the territory of being able to do statistical analysis and demonstrate whether or not the product's in control. And thank you for bringing up those, um, you know, universal standards that should be applied internationally. We're actually uh, 100% agnostic to the demographic of the product, whether that would be lifestyle, dietary supplement, or pharmaceutical, medicinal, and then pharmaceutical, I should say. Um, all of those are being ingested by humans and. We have very well-established standards by the United States Pharmacopeia and the European Pharmacopeia that we can very easily follow and say, well, this is a product that's applied uh, to the uh, to the skin. Well, very well, we do have standards there. Well, this is one that's invested. Very good. Log five with salmonella. No problem. No, I, I, I kid there, but there are some things that are universal here. Some use cases are certainly new, such as, you know, uh, smoking flour you won't find much in the pharmacopeias on you know what's the appropriate quality spec for smoked flour no never well maybe not never we should hope soon but if you look back in history good luck you won't find it there so yep. you kind of have to extrapolate what is appropriate what's the maximum per di- uh, permitted daily exposure limit for any of these critical safety attributes and um, those we can 100% agree on that it is all a human consuming the product at the end of the day. Let's take what's good from these other regulatory um, structures and perhaps product categories that really relate back to what we're doing with cannabis then all things are relatively similar. Uh,
1: no, absolutely. and. You know one thing you said early on was you know give people a rule of thumb to spend a year getting their compliance in shape to the point where they can ship a product and you know that is that presumes a couple of different batches run through to so that you know they can prove it's reliable and replicable and consistent and the like Great. But that leaves aside getting the inspector over absolutely and you know there's depending on the jurisdiction you're working with. There's a backlog. And, you know, people talk about getting EU GMP, but getting a German inspector because that's higher standard than an inspector from a different jurisdiction within the EU or elsewhere. Right. What are you seeing? You know, we're seeing timelines where that inspector, you know, can be six months from when you're ready to file. And what are you seeing? Are you see, seeing many differences by jurisdiction? Are you How accepted are they going to be? But also, how should people plan for that and when should they ca- plan on calling that inspector? Because obviously, they can't come at the same time as your first product shipment.
2: You know, I can share our approach to it. Um, so we work closely um, with our international affiliates. And essentially, we've done more work as a consulting firm internationally than we have within the United States. And it's a very fortunate thing that we've been able to you know, have influence in Europe and make great connections and uh, essentially set up a distribution network in advance. We don't have the capabilities of being distributors as a consulting firm, and it's not a business model that we would want to go down with, but right. essentially, we took the same approach that any entrepreneur would and went straight to the customer and began asking them, you know, what do you want? What are the specifications that you need? What are the quantities? What are your expectations from us? And essentially, we've extended that relationship to our clients such that. When they sign up on the front end, we have the ability to, you know, I'll lightly say this, guarantee the distribution of the products because the distributor knows that at the end of the day, if the manufacturer isn't following uh, the guidelines that we've agreed on with them, that that manufacturer will not distribute cannabis. And if they turn out to be a group that doesn't actually want to follow that paradigm or follow our prescriptive guidance for how to become GMP compliant, uh, they basically don't meet the criteria um there are some groups that just will never be able to produce products that conform they may have made some mistakes early on like introducing pathogens into their facility that they'll never get rid of yep we uh we've
1: heard i mean so many horror stories about about that or companies that take over
2: older facilities and then discover the legacy as they might start over it's painful it's really painful like there's and all of that money is lost in private. No one admits their failures, and that's where we've been really fortunate in working with a lot of groups. And confidentiality is literally the coin of our realm. We, people call us when they have problems, when they say we, we don't know what to do about this problem, and it's like sometimes the sobering answer is you have to burn it all down and start anew. It's no one likes hearing that, but there are cases where they are that bad. Um, the band-aids eventually stop working
1: absolutely and you know there's there's some things you can't just can't put band-aids on or just fix and retroactively and uh i know the the problems people have with uh prior pesticide usage and things like that they're they're pervasive right
2: Oh yeah. And I wish that we had hours to talk about this, but we'll have to make this a series, please. That would be fantastic.
1: (laughs) So, you know, on, uh, on what people go through. Um, Obviously, the Canadian firms have had a leg up on other firms in terms of uh, history in the industry, uh, from when legalization happened to the first producers, and also towards achieving EU GMP for shipment basically to Europe. It really makes it possible anywhere in the world. Those good manufacturing practice certifications are really key for companies with international ambitions. And I'd like to Great. touch on that after we come back from the break again, yeah, is how we're racing forward to that. Yes, absolutely. So we'll be back in a moment on The Green Peak.
0: The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Weeks of D- The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. All right,
1: I'm Richard Zwicky with the Green Peak and I'm back with Andrew Salmon with Orion GMP and you know but just before the break we we're talking Andrew about um some of the international efforts and you know GMP certification uh, is key for companies with international ambitions. And we've seen the Canadian companies uh, take advantage of that because they had first mover uh, positions with the legal frameworks that have been put in place in Canada ahead of other markets. But, you know, where Canadian cannabis firms are eager to plant the flags in international uh, markets. It's costly, and it's incredible. You know, I've looked at the facility cost to build out here in Canada, and it's about five hundred dollars a square foot for a minimum viable facility, but close to a thousand a full UGMP as you go end to end, and that's prohibitive. It's a long and costly process, and definitely not for the faint of mind, or not for everybody. But as the markets in the rest of the world open up, and people have to achieve those standards. Um, do you see resistance or do you see people uh, to following those standards or do you see people embracing them or is it more a question of people say, well, that's just the barrier we have to get over, let's wow. do it, as opposed to
2: figuring out where we can cut the corners? Well, so, yeah, thank you for bringing this up. Uh, the international nature of the industry, um, it's not by mistake that this seed was diffused around the planet um, by human hands. and that is something that you will never see stop. There are individuals around the world that have cannabis seeds, they have the right to have them, they have the right to cultivate them. In many jurisdictions, they do not. But um, I'd really like to paint the ultimate use case and this kind of leans on and is a little bit of a plug for my work in the standards community with ASTM International. when you have the opportunity to speak with almost any of the major pharmaceutical distributors of cannabis in the world, or medicinal cannabis, it's not pharmaceutical grade unless it's gone through a trial. But they do not have any issues, assuming that EU GACP and GMP requirements are met um, from the jurisdiction of which originating, and then assuming that UN guidelines are there and in place. Um, to allow medicinal distribution of the product, there really are no barriers. And when we look at the complexities of EU GMP, you might say that they start post-harvest more than they do um, during the agricultural phase. So, in its simplest use case, and with uh, a liberal interpretation of GACP guidelines, um, one may actually collect a herbal medicinal plant from uh, you know any region of the planet. Assuming you have an identity test for it to say with certainty it is what it is, so um, in in the world view of international standardization, how do we take into account um, literally farmers in an impoverished jurisdiction that would like to participate and can meet pro- or make products that meet specifications? Um, that that is the real challenge. Now, engineering a facility that costs a thousand dollars a square foot. Uh, sounds like in those cases that there may be overengineering and it's not necessarily, you know, producing a sterile product that's going to be injected into humans. Um, life can be a lot easier. But I think that, again, we're almost back to the first question of terminology and what people's expectations are. And absent of that terminology, and we don't actually have the language to write contracts properly. And it's spend, amazing, isn't it? Because it of is it? we're, we're trying to deal internationally with no common dictionary. Oh, absolutely. So as best we can, um, you know, individual entrepreneurs, individual groups and governments need to look at what regulations already exist and adapt that language. And in the meantime, um, it all comes down to the specifications. And the GMP certification, uh, I think it gets mixed up between third parties and or i.e. private parties that do that um, for a business versus getting uh, inspected by an EU GMP inspector. Or registering one's facility with the Food and Drug Administration, or even Health Canada, for example, where GPP is sufficient. So um, that it should really be uh, recognized by the entrepreneur that the third party certification may be valuable in terms of marketing, but its value in terms of being able to actually trade the product, um, I would really caution against anyone getting an advanced certification.
1: Uh, um, oh yeah, no, it's it or just, even being public about it at least. It's a it's a death sentence to make the claims and to you know quite honestly not be holding to the the required levels. And I when I look oh, yeah. at it, you know, I mean. You went through and did uh, four years in the military, right? And many of of our listeners have gone through the the same thing. Be it you know, doesn't matter where they live around the world, and. When you're in the military, you have to follow. Don't just follow orders. You have protocols. You have, you know, you have definitions for how you should be handling everything as part of your training. You have to learn it, follow it, and and it gets monitored. And everybody manages to that level, and that's a level of sophistication that is akin to what's being asked for in the uh, in the medical trade. And absolutely. it's something which, you know, that uh, doesn't happen easily. It, you know, those those don't get built overnight. But it doesn't matter if you have a you earn a rank, if you don't follow the policies and procedures,
2: you're not gonna last. Oh, absolutely. I, I think this is just um, quite simply evolution and the difficulty we see with the cannabis industry, and I can speak for a lot of my colleagues when we laugh about this, that it feels like we're living our lives in dog years. We're like, hey, wait a second. We only met three years ago, but why does it seem like I've known you for three lifetimes? Because we've done a lot of work together. (laughs) We've seen each other on three different continents. How does this happen? Um, how fast it all goes. So, And I was reminded the other day, uh, while we were in San Diego, we were there with our chief scientific officer, a few of our consultants, and we had the good fortune of cornering the chairman of ASTM D37 Cannabis Standards Committee. Um, Ralph Paroli and he's uh, literally on top of the NRC. He's one of the chief, metro- he is the chief meteorologist at mm-hmm. NRC. And I asked him, I was like, Ralph, this seems like, you know, it's such a specialized industry. And he's like, Andrew, no, this is like every other industry that started. Now, I was like, oh, I need to think. That's about right. It.
1: We, it's just people, people act as if we're unique and creating everything the reality is there is a path it's been opened up we just have to take
2: note and follow it exactly so that's where i'm i'm very pleased to see where the industry is at and if anything it's just you know confirmation over time that we're having these conversations it is evolving um it will not be the same industry 10 years from now as it is now and Um, Commoditization, you know, could completely change the way we think about the substance and it could be completely for the better too. Um, Absolutely. Where ultimately it's harmonized and the cost of this medicine uh, for someone in Central America is actually affordable as it should be for someone uh, in North America. Um, And once international uh, distribution opens up, I think that will truly be a, a very equitable industry.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, people in uh, who live in Peru or Colombia don't pay the same for lemons that no. they ship to North America as we do here, no. and that's probably going to hold true across everything. And uh, just, uh, I think, you know, there's a ton of information here, Andrew, and I thank you for joining us today. I'd uh, invite everybody to go visit your website, um, oriangmp.com learn more there's information about uh, EU GMP CGMP quality management services auditing assessments which we didn't even have time to really get into on this call and also training and Really, every aspect of the implementation process. And uh, you know I think Andrew, you're you know you're not just uh, recognized internationally, but you're recognized for the depth and of information on which uh, you're providing to the market. So thank you very much for that and thank you for joining us today on the Green Peak.
2: It is my pleasure, and I do look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Look forward to that. Thank you.
1: Thanks for joining us today on The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week.